0: because that is absolutely so. Matthew chapter uh, 24 verse 35, Jesus said heaven and earth shall pass away but my words shall not pass away. And so I'm thankful for uh, the fact that we have the word of God and I can't help but think as I as I know that's a civil war era song that there's a whole lot more reference to God and the word of God in that song as if people who were fighting in that day understood what they were talking about and Um, more than you and I do today. Um, Sam, do you have that ready? I don't see it ready yet, so I'm just wondering. And uh, so if you can start, there you go. And uh, I'm going to turn this on here in a minute. I have been on Wednesday nights studying and talking about false religion and deception and things that have been going on. And uh, we've talked about different Bible versions and uh, how that there's so many different things saying different in, in in how that we showed how that the modern Bible versions actually line up with the Jehovah's Witness Bible and read virtually the same, and how that uh, other religions are, are are being infiltrated within these modern versions, and uh, and then we talked about uh, just different things, the compromise that's going on in our world, um, the compromise that, that is that is all around us. Last week. Because of the Super Bowl last week, I talked about the "He Gets Us" commercials, and how lame those were, and how that seven million dollars for thirty seconds to to tell what to to, to get what across, and uh, and how that a better would have, a better way would have been to express the testimonies of people who've been saved and whose lives have been changed, and uh, radically different and, and transformed and new creation, and, and uh, someone even made a Uh, a spoof of that, that, that ad. And I thought, wow, that is awesome. You know, and, and um, they even ended it with a Bible phrase uh, and such were some of you, you know, what a, what a testimony that would have been. And, um, and, and yet that is, that is where we are in modern Christianity. And it's because everybody today, and I don't mean everybody, but I don't know. I, I don't I don't know if I have the exact numbers. I remember 10, 20 years ago, the Billy Graham crusade or campaign or whatever they were said that 74% of Americans were Christians. Well, you might call yourself a Christian, but that doesn't mean you are. And that doesn't mean you're behaving like one. Just those of us that have been going to these meetings that we've been going on Monday night, we just heard how that only 9% of the people who say they're Christians are reading a Bible a Bible, and only 6% have a biblical worldview. So I'm not enamored with how many people call themselves Christians if they're not biblical Christians. Oh, by the way, of the the 9% that read their Bibles, do you know which Bible they read? It's been done over and over again. There's been more than one survey done where they, okay, you re, you read the Bible on a daily basis, check a box. Now, if you could say that you read the Bible on a daily basis, which version did you read from? The the, the vast percentage was King, King James. Isn't that interesting? We've got 150 new modern English versions out there because they're easier to read. Nobody's reading them. And, and so the people who are serious about reading God's word want the one that they want to read from. You know what I mean? There's no sense reading a paraphrase. And so... We are we as a Christian people are biblically illiterate, and yet we know all about the Bible, or we know all about Jesus, but we don't know Jesus. And may I remind you, the Bible says in Corinthians, I believe it's Second Corinthians chapter 11. My eyes are bad. I can't hardly see with these glasses on, but I think it's Second Corinthians 11, where it talks about another Jesus. And another gospel. It says in verse 4, for if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus whom we have not preached, or re- you receive another spirit which you have not received, or another gospel. Verse 2 talks about, about being jealous over them and how that they were, they were beguiled from the simplicity as Eve, verse 3, I fear lest by any means as a servant beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ down in verse 14 in verse 13 it says for such are false apostles deceitful workers transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ and no marvel for satan himself is not is transformed into an angel of light therefore it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness whose end shall be according to their works we 're told and and i 'll show you some verses on the screen tonight i 'm glad i 'm going to use the screen I did use King James obviously to show these verses on the screen and uh but but my eyes are are bad tonight so i can 't see my own Bible very well but the bible warns us over and over again in the last days there would be false Christs. jesus said there 'll be people, there'll be men that'll say, I'm Christ, and and, and there'll be false Christs and there'll be uh, wolves in sheep's clothing. We need to be aware of that. So what I want to do tonight is I want to talk about something I've known about this for a few years, but the more I've learned about it, the more I've the more I've scratched it, the more i have like, whoa, wow, I didn't know that, and I didn't know that, and I didn't know that. And tonight, when we're done, I'm going to give everybody one of these, and you can take it home and read, and... What the best part about this little booklet is in the back, there's two pages of endnotes of documentation of where they got all this from. So let me get started tonight by talking, first of all, about this person right here. This person right here, oh, this person right here is named Blank. This this man's name is Jerry Jenkins, and um, you old-timers will remember the Left Behind series and how that, uh, this became popular. Tim LaHaye, Jerry Jenkins, they wrote this, this book left behind, became movie. Uh, it turned out to be a series of books. I think 12 or more books that you could buy. And I remember seeing them at Walmart and Sam's club and you could buy them all. And I never bought any and I never read them. Um, I'm not even sure if I've ever watched a complete movie. The first movies they made with Kirk Cameron and, uh, and it was all about, you know, the pre-tribulation rapture. And by the way, if you don't know this, I don't believe in the pre-tribulation rapture. I do believe that Jesus is coming. We just sang that he's coming. And the trumpet will sound. And I believe everything the Bible says. But I believe that in this world you shall have tribulation. You know who said that? Jesus said that. God has not appointed you to wrath. I don't believe in, that God would allow me as his child to be in the wrath of God. I'm not appointed to wrath. I'm a, a born-again believer. But, but people try to make tribulation and wrath the same thing, and, and I think they're two different things. And so Kirk Cameron, as the, as the star of the movie, later said, you know, why are we Christians trying to get out of tribulation? Shouldn't we, shouldn't we rather stay behind and try to win people who are lost? He actually wrote that. You can't hardly find it on the internet, but I've got a copy of it if you want to read it. And he, so he stopped. So then they had to find somebody else to do the next series. I think it was Nicholas Cage or something like that. <coughs> but Jerry Jenkins made a lot of money. And after he, he and LaHaye wrote the series of books, he wrote another series based on something called Soon. And uh, he was author of those and, and they started a whole other series. And the people bought those up. And uh, they, they made money off of them. And I don't know how rich Jerry Jenkins is. I don't know what he did with his money, but I know he was successful. Then Jerry Jenkins had a son. His son's name is Dallas. Dallas Jenkins. You've heard of The Chosen? That's Dallas Jenkins, Jerry's son. I've known about The Chosen for a few years now, and I know there are people in this room that know about The Chosen, but what I want to do tonight is to explain to you why it's wrong it's not just kind of wrong it's very wrong i'll just say it this way don't take it wrong and don't mean it literally or take me literal but you'd be less damaged watching an r-rated movie than watching the chosen you say why because an r-rated pornographic movie wouldn't paint a false jesus in your brain There is another Jesus out there. There is the woke Jesus. There is the ecumenical Jesus. And it's not just a coincidence that we are biblically illiterate, and yet this is very popular. Jerry Jenkins, son, Dallas, aspiring, wanting to be a movie maker and TV Producer made something about Christmas called The Shepherd. It got noticed by some people, some Mormon executives, and they said, Hey, why don't we get together and we'll help you? And they made what's called The Chosen. You said, Pastor, did you see Mormon? Yeah, I said Mormon. There are famous. Christian celebrities that are endorsing Dallas, but again, how many people are reading their Bibles? What percentage did I say? Nine. This is off of Dallas's Twitter. Just to clarify even further, I believe it is important to watch the chosen as though the Bible doesn't exist. Again, I know that sounds bizarre and even scary, but I'm just referring to a strictly artistic analysis and viewing experience like any other TV show. This from his Facebook post, believe it or not, the first priority when making The Chosen isn't instructing lives or teaching people about Jesus or anything like that. Our first priority when making The Chosen is to do everything we can to make it a good and watchable show. I'm not saying it's why I make the chosen. I'm saying it's what's on our minds while we're making it because that's all we can control and what well, must be the case for people even to want to watch it. In other words, the number one priority is to make something people want to watch. As a Christian, the number one priority is to preach the truth, not worry about how many people like it. But if you're trying to make a TV show or a radio show, you've got to think about numbers. Only 9% of Christians read their Bible. Did I spell Christians right? Is that right? Thanks. I, I'm just, it's, I've been here since 8.30 this morning. This is a TV set of Jerusalem. It's, it's magnificent. It's located in Utah. It's owned by the Mormon church. Guess who got to use it? How? how? In fact, Mormons said, how did he get to use that? Well, Dallas Jenkins got permission from the Mormon apostles. There's the board of 12 or the 12 apostles and the president of the Mormon church. And he got permission to film, I think it was the entire second season in Utah. And you'll see in a little bit video of the Utah mountains there and their magnificent Jerusalem background that they had created for, for their propaganda. I mean movies. And you, you, don't, you don't, listen, I won't, I won't get permission to shoot there. I promise. It, it ain't gonna happen. Now, pastor, don't you know Mormons are really Christians? Mormons are Christians. We worship the same Jesus. Dallas said, my brothers and sisters in the Mormon church who share the same faith of Jesus as I do. You'll hear him say that in a little bit. The only differences are we don't believe the Bible is the only written authority from God. Our faith has zero archaeological evidence to back it up. The Book of Mormon has tons of contradictions in it. We believe Jesus was a created being and that Lucifer is his brother and that God has a wife. Also, Jesus came from a star called Kolob. We also don't believe in the Trinity or that the God is, God is omnipresent and anyone that's not in the Mormon faith is part of the Church of Abomination, but other than that, we're the same. There's a book called The God Makers written by Ed Decker and Dave Hunt. There's a video called The God Makers. We have the VHS copy on our shelf. I'm not sure if we've got the DVD or not. There's actually Godmakers Makers 2 as well. You can learn all kinds of things if you want to. Down here in this little tiny writing, it says, did I mention the celestial marriages? Or our special underwear. By the way, they do have special underwear. Or our plural marriages, like they used to do just about 18 miles from here. Or how Joseph Smith died in a shootout. But we're the same. No, we're not. No, we're not. But it's ecumenical and it's part of the one world collectively getting everybody together. That's what it's about. The Mormon church is, is connected to masonry. It's connected to all kinds of stuff. And if you were here a couple years ago on Sunday night, we went through all the false cults and, and things like that and Catholic and Mormon and Jehovah's Witness and everything. So there in Utah, they were able to shoot their series. And this is Daryl Evans. Now he is the CEO of The Chosen. I got this off Wikipedia just today. After Eves, Daryl Eves' is his name, I'm sorry, Daryl Eves, After Eves was introduced to Dallas Jenkins, creator of The Chosen, Jenkins (coughs) named him to be executive producer with his primary responsibility being to build the audience through the show's social media platforms. Daryl Eves is Mormon. He's the CEO. So Jenkins with his Jesus on the Mormon set There's problems one thing that was said i think in the last series jesus had a confrontation with the pharisees in the in the movie and he says i am the law referring to the law of moses i am the law and this girl says i just love it when he says i am the law of moses it gets me it was so powerful and someone commented underneath the book of Hebrews makes it clear that Jesus is not the law of Moses, but the mediator of a new covenant. He came to fulfill the law. He never said anywhere in the Bible, I am the law of Moses. You say, that's kind of nitpicky, Pastor. Yeah, except for one thing. In 3 Nephi 15, verse 9, he did say it. You say, what's 3 Nephi? The book of Mormon. So who's Jesus are you watching? This is a set. It might have been the first season. It's supposed to be the Sea of Galilee. I'm sure it's a sea in Texas somewhere or Utah. But it's just showing a background scene of all the camera, photo, you know, sound equipment and things like that. But somebody noticed this and made a big to-do about it on on the Internet. There is a pride flag hooked to that camera because one of the employees on the set is one of those when confronted about it it was basically none of your business it's just somebody we hired so while Jesus is being shot behind the camera is the rainbow flag by the way there are homosexual Mormons And we are being told that homosexuality is acceptable. I do believe Jesus Christ can save people out of a life of sodomy. But I do not believe Jesus Christ welcomes sodomy. As I told you last week, he said to the woman, Neither do I condemn thee, go and sin no more. Somebody named John Root pointed this out. This is from last week. The guy that defended a pride flag on the set of his Jesus show and thinks that Mormons and Christians believe in the same Jesus has now come out and said that he likes the he gets us ads. I just told you all last Wednesday night what's wrong with the he gets us ads. He comes out and says, I support it. Now, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And I will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Verse One of chapter seven, having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. You all know that's talking about marriage. It's talking about partnerships. It's talking about business deals. You watch out about being unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Oh, it gets worse or it gets just as bad. They went to the Vatican. Dallas and, and Jesus. Well, it's not really Jesus. His name is Jonathan Rumi. Jonathan Rumi's a Catholic. He plays Jesus. While at the Vatican, they got to meet the Pope, and Jonathan Rumi asked the Pope to bless his rosaries that he brought. In kind of a tongue-in-cheek eyebrow razor, Jonathan Rumi said, I play Jesus on TV. And the Pope said, oh, then you must be Judas. It was supposed to be a joke, but, well, it might have been prophetic. Jonathan Rumi is here with a Catholic priest, and this fine Christian gentleman named Mark, no, just kidding, promoting their Catholic Hallow app that they've created. They've got their ashes on their forehead for Fat Tuesday. Jonathan Rumi is a Catholic through and through. Again, I want to use the Bible. Deuteronomy 18, verse 9 through 12. When thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, thou shalt not learn to do after the abominations of those nations. There shall not be found among you any one that maketh his son or his daughter to pass through the fire, or that useth divination, or an observer of times, or an enchanter, or a witch, or a charmer, or a consulter with familiar spirits, or a wizard, or a necromancer. Does anybody know what a necromancer is? A necromancer is a person who communicates with dead people. For all that do these things are an abomination to the Lord, because of these abominations the Lord thy God doth drive them out from before thee. Necromancy is communicating with the dead. A consulter with familiar spirits will be something very similar. To the fans of The Chosen, this is Jonathan Rumi, who plays Jesus. He writes in his Twitter, Visiting St. Padre Pio, one of the most powerful saints and witnesses to the suffering and miracles of Christ in the 20th century. Died in 1968 before Jonathan was born. As well as one with whom I've had personal interactions. Jonathan Rumi has spoken to this dead guy more than once. He's praying in front of his body right there in the glass, glass casket. So that's weird. Well, Catholics pray to dead people all the time. Catholics are guilty of necromancy. They talk to Mary, or they think they are. By the way, when you're talking to a dead person and the dead person talks back, you're talking to a devil. If you can't read it on the screen, Don't don't worry. It's going to be here. You can take it home and read it. I know you think the show's just entertainment, better than the other junk on your screen, and has made Jesus more real to you. I also know that when I say Jesus, quote unquote, you see the face of Jonathan Rumi. Let me remind you that the image of Jesus you see in your mind is that of an idolater. He's praying to a dead body in a glass case. That's him with Ozzy Osbourne and they're showing off their rings with skull and bones on them. There's pictures of him with, what's the guy's name? Brand, Russell Brand. What's the fetish with the dead skull stuff? What's up? A consulter with familiar spirits or a wizard or a necromancer. You've heard of the Jesus revolution. It came out last year. This is Jonathan Rumi right here, he was asked to play one of the main characters. That person was this guy in the middle, this hippie, by the name of Lonnie Frisbee, and Jonathan Rumi played him in the movie. Lonnie Frisbee was this whacked out hippie in California that supposedly had gotten saved. Lonnie Frisbee was a homosexual. Lonnie Frisbee did marry a a woman, but Lonnie Frisbee still struggled with his homosexuality and died of AIDS. Jonathan Rumi was trying to decide if he should play the part of Lonnie Frisbee. So he went to the grave of Lonnie Frisbee and laid next to it and talked to him. And asked Lonnie Frisbee to give him a sign if he should play the part or not. And somebody gave him a sign and he said it was Lonnie. Again, A consulter with familiar spirits, or a wizard, or a necromancer. In The Chosen, by the way, Angel Studios is owned by the Mormons. Vid Angel is Mormon. It's not Christian. Angel Studios is not Christian. It's Mormon. Check it out. In, I think it was season two, Jesus, and this is supposed to be Matthew, and they're out there in the scene in Utah, and And what it is, is it's Jesus preparing for the Sermon on the Mount. Practicing. Anybody have a problem with that? Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 18. I will raise them up a prophet from among their brethren, and I will put my words in his mouth, that he shall speak unto them all that I shall command him. In an episode of The Chosen, this Jesus had to rehearse his Sermon on the Mount, This is a denial of the affirmation prophecy. If Jesus of the chosen had a rehearsed sermon, then the father did not put words in his mouth and it establishes doubt as to whether or not he truly was sent by the father. See, the Mormon Jesus was just a man who became God. That's Mormonism. We can become gods. That's also Jehovah's Witness. Jesus was human. He attained godhood. No, in the beginning, he was God before he was man. So you're a little wound up. This is Satan, man. This is Satan. This is anti-Christ. Jesus needed help with his Sermon on the Mount. I about flew out of my chair when I saw that. Someone asked me to watch it, so I did. I'm like, he didn't need Matthew to give him pointers. He is called the Word. Don't you think the Word knows what to say? he's not the same Jesus that, that the Bible has Joseph Smith and the Pope are not worshipping the same Jesus in the left behind series that Dallas's father wrote the Pope was raptured and went to heaven I remember that I remember hearing that as a teenager I was like okay well that tells you what you need to know In Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, it says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And amazingly, he will profess unto them, I never knew you. There's a whole lot of people that think they know Jesus, and he doesn't know them. Because someone has gotten them to believe in the wrong Jesus. An unbiblical Jesus. The false unbiblical Christ cannot save anyone's soul. Make sure you're following the real Jesus by studying the Bible. Enter ye in. Matthew 7 also says, Enter at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many <coughs> there be which will go in at Because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth in life, and few there be that find it. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Notice that. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. What does that mean? They look like a sheep, but they're really a wolf. That's also kind of goes with Revelation 13 when it talks about the beast, the the antichrist, they say. Behold another beast coming up out of the earth and he had two horns like a lamb, but he spoke like a dragon. He looked like a lamb, but he was really a dragon. Who's the lamb? Jesus is the lamb. He looks like it, but he's not. Anti, I showed you this last week. anti doesn't just mean against or opposite. In the Bible, it also means in place of or a replacement. That's what antichrist is. Get this out of your mind, the antichrist will be so obvious because he'll be so blatantly blasphemous. No, he'll be in place of. He'll be very, very, very similar, but he'll be counterfeit and he'll be the substitute to the point where now the Bible believing Christian Is the hateful one that even dares to have this kind of a message yeah Mm -hmm. exactly and so here we are I don't know if you can see it but there's two booths here the one says no Jesus by watching TV series the other one says no Jesus by reading the Bible that's where we are that's why it's nine percent because everybody knows who Jesus is they watched it on TV I read it in a storybook. Remember that storybook I showed you last week? About, or two weeks ago, about the Jesus getting baptized so he could wash his sins away? That's out there. See, that's why I said I'd rather you watch porn. Because at least you wouldn't have a warped view of who Jesus is. What I don't like about any movie of Jesus... Is it warps what I what I need to be reading? Now I'm not saying that no one's ever been able to use anything for good because when I was a teenager, we went to Mexico and someone took an old Jesus movie and they they dubbed the Spanish in it and then they play and they just played the gospel message and then we we'd have an invitation and, and people would watch it. And we could hand something for them to read and things like that. <coughs> and us being all English speaking. What else are we going to do? But folks, there's a huge difference between Hollywood and today. I don't even know who the director or producer was, but there's that old movie called Ben-Hur. And that Jesus, you never saw his face. I appreciate that. And everybody was like, you know, and and Ben Hur's based off of a book written by a true born again Christian who was an atheist who got saved, Lou Wallace. And the they ruined the they ruined the book with the movie, but still Ben Hur's way better than the chosen. I remember watching some Jesus film at the library in Gillette, Wyoming, and Charlton Heston was John the Baptist, and he's down in the River Jordan, and Jesus comes down and he comes in and they get waist deep in the water, and I was a teenager and I was the son of a Baptist preacher, so I was like whoa, it looks like he's going to really baptize him. And then Charlton Heston, who's supposed to be John the Baptist, reaches down with like this clamshell and sprinkles water over Jesus. And they're waist high in the water. I'm like, what a compromise. You got waist high in the water and then you sprinkled him. Well, that made everybody happy except for the Baptists. It would be hypocritical for me to warn you about modern Bible versions and then not tell you about modern Bible versions on the screen. So we'll keep going here. Thessalonians 2, starting verse 8, and then shall that wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they believe not the love of the truth. Hey, guess what? Most people believe what they see on the screen. I saw it, so it has to be true. That's why it's so dangerous, because they can artificially produce news stories now. There's AI available out there that they can make up a news story and drop a background in there, and you and I can be... Look, it could be the president died two years ago. He looks like it anyway. And maybe they... I'm just, I'm just saying, it's easy to fool people with a screen. Power and signs and lying wonders. The Bible says faith comes by hearing the word of God. We all hear seeing is believing. No, seeing can be deceitful. Don't don't trust your eyes. In fact, they interviewed Duck Dynasty. And Duck Dynasty sitting with Dallas Jenkins and and the the lead guru of Duck Dynasty was Shaggy. Hair and everything, he says. <coughs> he says, "You know what I? You know what I learned about this chosen series? I learned that seeing is more powerful than reading." Wow. He, he's he's right. It is powerful, but it's also see Duck Dynasty. They're baptism salvation anyway. They believe that baptism is what saves. They're Church of Christ people. Get off on that some other time with all deceivableness of unrighteousness and them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie that they all might be damned who believe not the truth. There's that kid story. I have come to the river today to wash my sins away, said Jesus. And that, that, that made it out of publication into the hands of lots of people. This is Amy Grant. She's supposedly a Christian singer. I've I've never listened to her. She hosted her niece's same-sex wedding two years ago, a year and a half ago. And then you just heard me say this the other day. Alistair Begg stands by his advice concerning a gay marriage. And as a result of it, he lost a couple radio shows, good for the radio shows, Deuteronomy chapter 13, verse 1. If there arise among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams and giveth thee a sign or a wonder and the sign or the wonder come to pass whereof he spake unto thee saying, let us go after other gods which thou hast not known and let us serve them. Thou shalt not hearken unto the words of that prophet even though his sign or his wonder came to pass. Even though his miracle, even though his magic trick worked, don't follow him. Why? Why would God allow him the ability to do something mesmerizing. Verse three, so the Lord can prove you to know whether you love him and whether or not you fear him and whether or not you keep his commandments. And you know what you're supposed to do with that false prophet? Put him to death. Not advocating anybody murder anybody this week. But that was Old Testament law. That's God's attitude towards it. Sam, we're going to flip over here, and I'm going to blank it out for a minute. I think that was the last of my slides. So what I want to do is have Sam set up the video, and I'm going to show you just a few snippets before we leave tonight. All right. You about ready? Get it right on the button, Sam, and then we'll start. You got it where you want it? are all the volume buttons off the one on the wall the one on the screen every volume turned up yeah now i do i do appreciate the catholics being anti abortion but i want you to listen to this this is the man who plays jesus in all those existence so,
1: how can you make a difference number
2: 1 Pray the rosary. St. Padre Pio said the greatest weapon against the
3: devil we have is the rosary. No, we will pass on this one. The rosary is not the greatest weapon against the devil. The word of God is the greatest weapon against the devil, which explains why Satanists hate the word of God so much that they angrily rip up the Bible, which we addressed in this video. And the devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, command this stone that it be made bread. And Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Luke 4, verses 3 to 4. If Jesus overcame the devil by reminding him what the Holy Scriptures said in Deuteronomy 8, verse 3, Deuteronomy 6, verse 13, and Deuteronomy 6, verse 16, we should emulate our Lord and Savior, not Jonathan Rumi or any man-made, unbiblical, and idolatrous practice of praying to Mary. You've probably seen Jonathan Rumi's commercial for the New Age Meditation app called Hallow. Please pay attention to his Hindu yoga poses hi i'm your guide on hallow a prayer and meditation app to help you find peace and grow closer to god
4: take a deep breath and focus your attention on god in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit amen oh, this-
3: Hallow is nothing but a New Age mystic app flavored with Christian stuff, which makes it hard for most people to see how Satan is using the app to expose many people, especially the evangelicals, to Hindu religious practices, such as yoga, guided meditation, and chant. To those who think Jonathan Rumi has not influenced many evangelicals to either become Catholics or become convinced that Catholicism and Christianity are the same, after all, we share similar views on many biblical doctrines, listen to this comment by an individual who claimed to be an evangelical but had been attending the online rosary Jonathan passionately promotes on his social media pages and the New Age app. I am evangelical, but I was there for the rosary hour yesterday, and will join again today. I was so moved yesterday, emotionally. Every time, tears sprang up, I thought to myself, What is happening to me, Lord? I think I had a sense of Christian unity, which I have longed for my entire life. I knew it wasn't just Catholics on the live stream, yet we all were together praying, together, The beautiful reverence also moved me. I have heard opinions that Catholics don't have as much of a personal relationship with Christ as Protestants do, but as I am currently reading St. Faustina's diary, I am struck by how deeply personal her writings and relationship with Jesus are. (coughs) Deeply personal. Interestingly, Jonathan responded to this individual's comment, encouraged them to dig deeper into Catholicism, and even provided additional resources on the Eucharist. Here are other evangelical comments on the same online rosary post. I am evangelical too. What you said was beautiful. I'm evangelical also. I've gotten a lot out of this prayer time. I love the litany prayers. They prick my heart. I'm hoping God will use them in my life for growth toward Christlikeness. Blessings to all. I was brought up Southern Baptist. There are many misconstrued notions about Catholics. I found that out quickly after attending Jonathan Rumi's prayer hour in March. The Divine Mercy Chaplet has brought me so much peace, and my anxiety attacks have vanished. I don't believe God wants his children to sit at separate tables. He has a great table spread out for us all. That last...
0: That's ecumenical. He has a great table spread out for us all that's exactly what that's all about. Now Sam's gonna fast-forward to the next uh, section and we're going to talk about the emotions involved the work salvation and the necromancy praying to the dead. Let me turn this back on.
3: Most Christians confuse emotional experience with truth. We don't make decisions regarding our Christian faith based on emotion. Instead, our decisions should be guided by the Word of God. Let's make one point clear. Just because someone was raised in an evangelical home or claimed to be an evangelical does not make them a born-again believer in Jesus Christ. One's salvation is solely based on the penalty of sin Jesus paid on the cross. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Ephesians 2, verses 8-9 Many people would argue that we are saved by faith and works, and they often quote James 2 verse 26, which says, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Please note that the Bible does not say we are saved by faith. Instead, it says we are saved by grace through faith. Grace is God's unmerited or undeserved favor. It cannot be earned through works, because salvation is a free gift from God. The Bible makes it clear that our works do not save us. The Holy Spirit empowers us to do good works when we become born again. So, any work-based salvation, which Catholicism and many other false religions promote, is not from God, and must be rejected, because no one will enter the kingdom of God based on their works. Also, there is no biblical justification for praying to Mary, Peter, or Paul, or asking deceased people to pray for you. The Word of God condemns communication with the dead, and praying to or bowing down to graven images... Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. Exodus twenty verses four to five. There shall not be found among you any one who practises divination, or tells fortunes, or interprets omens, or a sorcerer, or a charmer, or a medium, or a necromancer, or one who inquires of the dead. Deuteronomy 18, verses 10 to 11. But Jonathan did just that. He communicated with the dead Lonnie Frisbee, flagrantly violating God's word. Before I started work, I went over to Christ Cathedral, and uh, I I sat by his grave and I
4: prayed a rosary with him. Oh, he didn't realize he's buried there too. Oh yeah, he's buried there. In fact, I sat down and I prayed with him. Um, the, The space just to his right is empty, so I got to sit down. Or at one point I even lied down because I just thought it would be kind of interesting to try to connect in some way. And so I finished praying with him. And I said, Lonnie, I want to honor you with this film. If this is a good idea that I do this film, have somebody give me a sign. Give me a sign. Have God give me a sign. And the minute the words left my mouth, behind me there was a door open to the cathedral. And this giant... Chord rang out for about five seconds, and then from the organ. From the organ. Wow. I hadn't heard it before, so I heard that, and I was like, "Okay, thanks for that." <laughs> well, I think I think my introduction to this uh, ecumenical sense of uh, uh, fraternity uh, happened began with uh, the chosen, because mm-hmm. you know Dallas Jenkins is an evangelical Christian. Um, You know, there's a a bunch of, um, a variety of denominations working on that series. And when you work with each other, when you talk to each other, um, the thing that we all have in common is that we
3: love Jesus. It's astonishing how he thanked a dead person, which, by the way, was not Lonnie, but a demon who gave him a sign. This is another reason we should be extremely cautious about asking for signs. Thousands, if not millions of his followers, would think that communicating with the dead is okay and acceptable, when in reality, such practice is an abomination to the Lord. For all that do these things are an abomination unto the Lord, and because of these abominations, the Lord thy God doth drive them out from before thee. Deuteronomy 18, verse
0: 12. I think one of those verses was not King James. I apologize, but I don't have time to make documentaries. Speaking of, though, I will email everyone a really good 40-minute documentary that you can watch. It's even better than what I'm showing you tonight, but it's something you can watch on your own time. I'm going to show you something else, just a few more minutes. Uh, Someone else did some critiquing of the actual chosen and uh, came up with some stuff that uh, took time to, to think about and to, and to observe using the word of God. One thing I noticed about Chosen and what you'll see in, in if you pay any attention is how, is how bad they portrayed John the Baptist. If you hear me, you've heard me, in fact, in fact, just teaching on the apostles not too long ago, the whole key was John the Baptist. John was sent to prepare the way of the Lord and a people for the Lord. And he was to baptize all of Jesus' disciples. And he's called Creepy John. He's referred to as Weird John. But actually, the Word of God does say that he was different, but people revered him. In fact, when Jesus asked them, they, he said, The baptism of John, was it of men or of God? The people knew it was of God. They knew John the Baptist wasn't a wacko. <clears throat> and he's portrayed very badly in... Uh, in this, in this uh, series. Also, there's lots of drinking. In fact, the very first scene, the very first episode starts with Mary Magdalene in a tavern and that's where she meets Jesus. Simon Peter is later seen in the same tavern drinking and, and people talking to him about his being there. Simon Peter is fishing on the Sabbath. That never happened. Nathaniel was apparently a failed architect and so because he lost his job he went to the pub and ordered the strongest drink they had and got so drunk that philip found him sleeping it off the next day and brought him to jesus and then jesus said behold an israelite indeed who is no guile in whom is no guile while he's still you know getting over his buzz that's not how it reads in the bible That might make people feel good if they've got an alcoholic problem. And certainly the grace of God needs to be demonstrated that God wants to save and change people who are alcoholics. But there's no way you get Jesus saying, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no guile, while he's still sleeping off a drunk. Jesus is presented soft and non-offensive. But the word of God says in Matthew 4 4, verse 19 that Jesus preached the same message as John the Baptist. Repent. In fact, Jesus preached the same message as John the Baptist. And Herod said, I thought we killed John the Baptist. He's still around? Why? Because Jesus sounded the same as John the Baptist. But chosen makes John the Baptist sound like the kooky guy and Jesus is the cool guy. Think about it. They said, when Jesus asked his disciples, Whom do men say that I am? John the Baptist. Or Elijah or Jeremiah. So this idea of John the Baptist being the kook and Jesus not, is not how it really was. Jesus said, I have have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to, to what? Not the chosen. That's not what he says. You'll see it.
2: them in their sinful state which leads me to my next issue and that is the way in which the chosen presents jesus when you look at the gospel of matthew jesus is presented to us right at the beginning as going through galilee preaching repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. His message was the same as John the Baptist's message. In fact, when Herod heard about Jesus, he thought that John the Baptist had been raised from the dead. That's how similar their message was. When Jesus asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? Some said that he was Elijah. Some said John the Baptist raised from the dead. And others thought Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But the Jesus in the chosen is nothing like any of those people. He very rarely mentions the word repentance. (coughs) Granted, he says it maybe twice, possibly three times in season one. And I don't recall a single instance of the word repentance coming out of Jesus' mouth in season two. I might be wrong, but... From memory, I can't remember anything. And even in key moments when they should have put the word repentance in the mouth of Jesus, they didn't. I have not come to call the righteous, but
4: sinners. Is everything under control here? Uh, Yes. We were just going on
2: our way, Centurion. There are also a number of scenes that totally contradict the Bible. The first scene is where the false Christ of the chosen is trying to prepare and rehearse his sermon. And the next one is where Matthew is helping him come up with the content of the sermon. Salt preserves from corruption. If it loses
4: its saltiness, it doesn't do what it... it, If salt has lost
2: its flavor... My concern about the beginning is more logistical. Right now your opening line is, you are the salt of the earth. I'm worried, particularly if it is windy, or if the crowd is larger than we expect,
4: that people near the back will hear, salt the earth, and it will immediately call to mind a negative connotation. The Punic Wars?
2: Yes. When Rome destroyed Carthage, they sowed the city with salt to make it barren and to curse anyone who would rebuild upon it.
4: I share your concern about the opening line but for different reasons.
2: Now that totally contradicts the Bible. The Bible says very clearly in the Gospel of John, chapter 12, beginning at verse 49, For I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me. He gave me a commandment, what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his commandment is life everlasting. Whatsoever I speak, therefore, even as the Father said unto me, so I speak. So it's very clear in the scripture that everything Jesus said in his preaching and teaching came from the Father. Very clear and that's a very clear contradiction in the show The Chosen. A very fleshly carnal presentation of Jesus and it's unbiblical.
0: This next section is Jesus and John the Baptist having an argument. In the argument John the Baptist is arguing with Jesus which never happened. John the Baptist said, I don't even deserve to untie his shoes. But the reason why they're arguing is because Jesus is trying to get John the Baptist to lay off Herod and don't preach against Herod's adultery. Jesus says, I'm not interested in silly rules or or rules. Are you kidding? Jesus, Jesus isn't interested in adultery? Hey, that rubs people the right way today, friend adulterers will go to your church if your Jesus isn't against your adultery. Hello? You can't have Jesus if you ain't gonna tell the truth. Jesus is the truth. This is a lie. This is from the pits of hell. And this section here is blasphemy.
2: The other thing that bothered me was the way that they presented John the Baptist and Jesus having a discussion. They were discussing whether or not they should confront uh, King Herod for his incest and adultery. And uh, uh, Jesus is defending why he doesn't want to. And then it seems as though he tries to persuade John the Baptist not to do it. He says, I don't see why you need to do this. If a man takes his brother's wife, it is impurity. He has uncovered his
4: brother's nakedness. They shall be childless. I understand this against the law of Moses, but I'm here for bigger purposes than the breaking of rules. Minimize incest? Of course not. What of the laws of Moses will be minimized? All of this will be addressed. I'm not ready to get into the specifics. You appear to be not ready to get into the specifics of a lot of things. For instance... Stay on topic. The romantic lives of rulers and kings has been and always will be of enormous fascination to people. It was covered at length in Torah. I don't see why you feel the need to focus on he's it a now. client king or tetrarch or whatever. He's one of us. I don't see why you feel the need to focus on he's it a now. client king or tetrarch or whatever. He's one of us and he's unlawful. I am not afraid of him. He may not be as bad as his father, but he is still bad. I'm gonna march straight into his court and I'm gonna tell him to
2: his face. My followers would love it. The real John the Baptist of the Bible would never have questioned Jesus in this way. But this is obviously a false Christ, so it's kind of okay, I guess, if you look at it that way. But nonetheless, the real John the Baptist would never have challenged the real Jesus in this way because he said that he was unworthy even to untie his sandals. That's what the real John the Baptist said. And so therefore, I think that scene is absolutely Ridiculous, And I, I certainly don't think that Jesus would have been persuading John the Baptist not to challenge King Herod because the Holy Spirit was leading John the Baptist and Jesus knew.
0: So John the Baptist says, my fellows are going to be so impressed with me. You're yeah, making Baptist look bad. It's baloney. This next section I'm going to let go for the next nine minutes and then we'll be done with it. The first thing you're going to see is Nicodemus arguing with a Pharisee. Now, we all know that the Nicodemus of the Bible was someone who came to Christ. But what's interesting about this scene is this. The Pharisee is quoting the Bible. And Nicodemus is saying, reason and logic and follow your heart. Do you understand the undercurrent here? The Pharisees quote the scriptures. Oh, by the way, the Book of Mormon's not the only see, the Book of Mormon, it's it's all about the Bible plus our other writings. And so after that scene, Dallas Jenkins says, Yeah, I guess that was kind of a commercial for the Mormons. Because basically Nicodemus is saying, I know you're quoting scripture. And the sad thing is Nicodemus could have quoted a scripture, but he didn't. You'll see it. I'll just let it go.
2: The thing that concerns me about the show is a conversation between Nicodemus and one of the Pharisees. A voice cries, in the wilderness, prepare the way of
1: Adonai. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God.
4: Hmm. And
2: who does that sound like? The heretic, John. And what heresy do you find in those words being
1: that Isaiah said The then? heresy is that John has appropriated Isaiah's words by taking a spiritual description of God in heaven and applying it to John's physical successor on earth. Successor? John said, after me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and
2: untie. And? God has no body. He cannot wear sandals. And at first, Nicodemus seems to be arguing from the scripture in response. (laughs) God cannot take human form to say so is blasphemy.
1: And where does it say that God cannot take human form? In the scroll of Deuteronomy. You saw no face the day Adonai spoke to you at
2: Horeb. Just because they saw no form doesn't mean God cannot take one. In Exodus. But as the conversation continues, the Pharisee keeps on using the word of God. Incorrectly, but he keeps on using the word of God. Whereas Nicodemus seems to go off into an illogical rant.
1: You cannot see my face, for no man shall see me and live. This person would have to walk around with his face covered. So you would place limits? On
2: the Almighty? None that are not written in law. And if God did something that you felt contradicted the Torah, would you tell him to get back in that box that you have carved for him? Or would you question your interpretation of the Torah? That argument has been used by heretics all over the world to justify all sorts of evil and wicked doctrines and demonic manifestations.
0: Face it on another one's head. Fire. (laughs) Legacy.
3: Legacy. (laughs)
2: And I hardly think it's appropriate for a great teacher of Israel to be using such an illogical argument. Instead, what he should have done is he should have gone to the Word of God and appealed to the text when three angels appeared to Abraham and one of those angels was Yahweh himself. That's what he should have appealed to and that would have been far more biblical but what's also concerning is that in this scene there is a moment that I think is referred to by Dallas Jenkins when he talks to Mormons on a Mormon radio show
4: I did not know at the time <laughs> that that like when the guys at VidAngel and LDS were like hey man well done on that one scene that's like an LDS commercial and I was like oh
2: man please don't say that publicly because it's gonna it's gonna kill me this is the commercial watch this Take the Sadducees. They take the first five books, the law of Moses, as inspired scripture. The rest, they disregard. (laughs) To them, God stopped speaking when Moses died. Think of all they have missed. The Psalms of David, the stories of Ruth and Boaz, Esther and Mordecai. (sighs) I don't want to live in some pastoral. God cannot do anything new. You can see how the Mormons would consider that to be a good commercial. In the same way that the Sadducees didn't accept the rest of the Bible, but only accepted the first five books, so too do you only accept the the Bible when you should accept the Book of Mormon and you're missing out on so much. That's the argument being made. You see, the Jesus of the chosen, the false Christ of the chosen, is the kind of Jesus that can really be accepted by anyone, by Protestants, Roman Catholics, Orthodox, and even Mormons. And I come to believe that I have many brothers and sisters in the LDS faith. I I, I I love my audience, brothers and sisters. You see, the false Christ of the chosen doesn't care whether you're a Roman Catholic, Orthodox, whether you're a Mormon, whether you're a Jehovah's Witness. The false Christ of the chosen doesn't care about any of that. What he cares about is your heart.
4: It won't be all about mountains or temples.
2: Soon. Just the heart. <laughs> what does your heart tell you? But what he doesn't tell you is that the Bible says that the heart is desperately wicked above all things and who can know it. Now this is only season two of seven seasons that they plan to do. And after that they plan to do a series on the life of Joseph Smith and the Book of Mormon. Now you might ask, how do I know that? That's my point. You just don't know that. How do you know whether the people involved in this show, and remember the CEO of The Chosen is a Mormon. It's a company and the CEO and the executive producer is a Mormon by the name of Daryl Eaves, And how do you know that he's not going to take the audience he's gained through the show The Chosen and start to promote to them a series on the life of Joseph Smith and the Book of Mormon? Daryl Eves is a social media expert. He knows what he's doing. So therefore, it's very reasonable to expect that that might happen after The Chosen is completed. Very scary, but let's keep looking at the content of The Chosen. I want to look at something that happened at the beginning of Season 2. Season 2 began with John interviewing people and collecting information for his gospel, to, to record in his gospel. And he's portrayed as interviewing about 10 people. Two of them are Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of Jesus. Interesting to note that Mary Magdalene was called to follow Jesus before Simon Peter was called to follow Jesus. Pretty full-on stuff considering the history of the accusations against Jesus concerning Mary Magdalene in the Gospel of Thomas and in modern times. Just tell me about the first time you actually saw him.
3: It was in a tavern.
4: And online. Which isn't what it sounds like. Maybe leave that part out. People will get confused. I don't know yet what I'll be including. I'm just writing it all down.
2: Nevertheless, the chosen clearly presents John as collecting the content for his gospel from these ten people, including Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Jesus. But the Bible says something different. The Bible says that the contents of the gospel of John are an eyewitness account from John. That's what the Bible says. Although John's name isn't mentioned directly, he is referred to, he refers to himself as the beloved disciple. And right at the end of the Gospel of John, it says this, John chapter 21 verse 24, and it says this, this, referring to the beloved disciple, is the disciple who testifies of these things and wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is True. You see John is referring to himself in the third party as the beloved disciple and John very clearly says that it is this disciple himself in the third party that is the witness of these things recorded here referring to the gospel. Very clear that the gospel of John is an eyewitness account of the Apostle John. But what's also disturbing is that the last verse of the Gospel of John didn't actually come from John himself, according to the Chosen, but instead it came from Mary.
4: You know that if you tried to write every single thing he did, the world itself could not contain the books that would be written.
2: Hmm. A disclaimer. That's good, I'm going to say that. That is unbiblical. The Bible is very clear that those who wrote Scripture were carried along by the Holy Spirit, not as things were suggested by Mary, the mother of Jesus. That's just simply unbiblical. Now, there are other things in the show that were
0: unbiblical. See, there is a Gospel of Thomas that suggests that Mary Magdalene was Jesus' mistress. Why would you throw that in there? Why would you throw that in there that she met Jesus and he put his hand on her hand? Why would you throw that in there? I'll tell you why. You want to make your umbrella as wide as you can. Because if you're making a TV show, you want as many. It's all about marketing. Have you guessed that I'm not a marketer? This ain't a business. And we ain't trying to get as many people as we can. We're trying to preach the gospel. And if you're honest enough to admit it, we'll be glad to have you. But narrow is the way and few will be that find it. Broad is the way that leads to destruction. It ain't supposed to be popular. Jesus fed 5,000 in John chapter 6. And by the end of the chapter, he had 12 people left. Because he had hard things to say. That's the Jesus of the Bible. I don't come up with hard things to say. But truth rubs people the wrong way. You say, well, that will never work. Yes, it will. I mean, the sinful woman came and washed his feet with tears. She was so grateful. And when you get saved, you want to come to the Lord. And when you are interested in truth, you'll find it in the word of God. I've got just one, one minute clip to show you. It's a Baptist preacher. I don't even know who he is. But he sums it up in just one minute so let me show you that and then Joshua you can hand all these out okay
1: Forget about the fact that the show is made by Mormons. Forget about the fact that it promotes sin in various ways. Forget about the fact that there's a Catholic guy playing Jesus. Forget about the fact that there are pride flags on the set. There's actually even a much larger and more damning and dangerous problem with the show. And I marvel that Christianity doesn't realize what the problem is. Add thou not unto his words, lest he reprove thee, and thou be found a liar. We are commanded... To not put words in God's mouth. It's a commandment from Almighty God. Don't add anything to what I say. The chosen is adding thousands of words to Christ's mouth. And it doesn't matter if they say in the opening blurb that, you know, this is fiction. People watch it and they equate it with Jesus Christ. They tell me, I'm learning about Christ. I see him in a whole new way now. Of course you do. Because they're not Christ's words. Forget about the...
0: Exactly. Because only 9% even know what the Bible says. We're in big trouble. We're in big trouble. The Antichrist is just around the corner because everybody thinks they know Jesus. But what they know is something they saw on a screen. I wonder how many people in here are reading their Bible every day. The real Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. How often do you eat? How often do you eat? Well, I went to Sunday school for years and I've got a degree. I've got a college diploma from a Bible college. You expect me to still read the Bible every day? Every day I eat. I'm, I'm an intellectual. I don't have to read God's word every day. That's why you're fooled by this junk. Satan is so crafty. Nobody graduates from this right here. It's not hard. These and thous aren't even hard. If kids can read text messages that don't even have vowels in them, surely we can read the word of God. And nobody knows what it says anymore. Everybody knows what they think it says. But nobody knows exactly. So I appreciate these people that put these things together and I was able to use them as examples tonight. And I hope that you'll just let God's word and his Holy Spirit guide you And when it comes to supporting Christian things or Christian evangelical purposes or or projects, I recommend you do it through your local church offering plate. Because then you'll know that your local church and your local church pastor who follows the word isn't going to get you invested in something that ain't going to really matter. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We truly thank you for your word. I don't know how many churches in town emphasize your word, let alone around the country. Thank you for the word and forgive us if we're not reading it. Help us to read it and reread it. We sang it tonight. Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And if we're too above the word, boy, are we in for a fall. Help us to recognize what it says in the last page. Don't add or subtract anything from it. Help us to be very serious about your word. Help us to know it so we can share it. Help us to live by it and then lead others to it and help us to be aware of Satan's plan and his attack and what he wants to do. Thank you, God, for the time. Thank you for these folks being patient as we went later than usual. Pray that we'd all get to feeling better. Have a good rest tonight, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.